Ashley Brockman, Diane Palmer's book, Lawman, Chapter 12. It was a long drive to Victoria. Saturdays in early spring brought all the weekend adventurers out on the highway. Usually, Garen didn't mind bottlenecks, but he was anxious to get to his destination. He wasn't sure how he was going to manage it, but he had to coax Grace into coming home. He phoned Marquise's cell phone, but he hadn't gotten an answer. Probably the younger man was still furious and unwilling to talk to him. Couldn't blame him. Detective loved Grace. It wouldn't set well with him that Garrett had caused her so much pain. He was wearing a lightweight jacket, which he probably wasn't going to need. It was warm, sunny day. The SUV ahead of him had a canoe latched to his rack and fishing pole sticking out of the back window. Fishing. He grimaced, calling how he overreacted when he found Grace at the local fishing pond. Her cousin lived back off the road in a grove of pecan trees. There was a dirt driveway that led up to the house. It was an old house, simple, with clapboard one story with two chimneys and a long front porch that contained rocking chairs, a CT and a swing, all painted green. Off to the side was a large pond with a pier. He glanced toward it and blinked. Grace was out there, dressed in knee-high cutoffs and a red t-shirt, bending over with what looked like minnow bucket. <laughs> he got out of the SUV and walked down to the pond, sunglasses hiding the apprehension in his dark eyes. Sunglasses were an individual thing now, but when he was in the elite hostage rescue team, everyone copied the team leader's sunglasses. Those had been good days, working tight with an expert group of men. His job now, even heading a crime unit squad, was less exciting. It was less stressful as well. Maybe that would seem like a benefit one day. <clears throat> Grace saw him coming and straightened. Her chin came up. She was barefoot and wore no makeup at all. Her long hair was in a braid that reached between her shoulder blades. She wasn't wearing sunglasses and she wasn't smiling. In one hand, she held a long cane pole with a cork, sinkers, and a hook on the fishing line. The memory of her last meeting, memory of their last meeting, when he humiliated her in Barbara's crowded cafe, was still fresh in her mind. Well, well, if it isn't the Prince of Darkness, she said coldly, and her gray eyes reflected the pain, indignation, and outrage of the past few weeks. I can't think of a way, I can't think of a way you could cause me any more embarrassment on this planet. So have you come for my soul? He stopped just in front of her. He hoped for a truth. She was disappointed. He stuck his hands in his pockets, eyeing the plain old-fashioned fishing pole. If you plan to catch anything, you'd have better luck with a spinning reel. He advised. She moved to the side of the pier, bent and pulled up a string of bass. There were five to six pounds each, and she had four of them. His surprise was visible. She held the string of fish at her side, and she was glaring. I won the Jacobsville Bass Rodeo two summers in a row. Which is why I spend every free minute at Jake's Fish Pond in Jacobsville in early spring practicing. Sadly, I've had to forego practice since you decided that I was chasing after you. He felt the heart collar flow to the skin over his high cheekbones. He accused her fault into the fishing pond. She hadn't been chasing him at all, at least not that time. Why are you here? Just not moving. Stuck his hands in the pockets of his slacks. And searched for inspiration. He hoped he didn't look as uncomfortable as he felt, but he did. She cocked her head and studied him for a minute. Oh, I see. Someone told you the truth about my past. Is that it? She asked with icy pose. The muscles in his jaw. Something like that. She averted her eyes and moved to the foam cooler. She brought the store of fish in. She opened the top and put the fish on top of the layer of ice inside. She closed the back all without giving him a second glance. You sent Marquis to El Paso. 
said without prenatal. She looked at him. I know things about the killer that you don't. I tried to tell you, but he decided that I'd come to your house for, shall we say, other purposes, before I could get the words out. His lips compressed tightly. Listen, he began. No, you listen, she shot back, eyes flashing like silver lightning, and a face livid with bad temper. I've spent my entire adult life backing away from men. I've never chased anyone in my life, and that goes double for you. You really think I have so little pride and self-respect that I'd go running wildly after a man who just told me he didn't want anything else to do with me? Now that he thought about it, no, he didn't, but it was too late for that belated inspiration to save him. Grace was furious, and he was already on the defensive and not liking it. During a short, angry breath, he ran his hands deeper into his slack pockets and frowned out. What do you know about the killer that we don't? He asked. For one thing, that he likes little girls with long blonde hair and light-colored eyes. She said, trying to sound calmer than she He also said that he'd been watching me at school. He knew that I lived with my grandmother, that she drank herself to sleep. It amused him to take me right out of her house and through the window in the middle of the night. He said that he dreamed of collecting blonde girls just my age with long hair, that he would tie us up with red ribbons so that everyone would know we belonged to him. I believe that's what your organized crime organization calls a killer's signature. Minor Graves Criminal Justice Encounter. I don't do profiling. That's up to the Behavioral Science Unit at Quantico, which gave him a smart only. There's a dead child in San Antonio, and there was also jet dead children in Del Rado and Proverbial, she pointed out, with a year or so in between, similar coloring and similar killing style. Then you're looking for a serial killer. Perhaps you'd like to put that in writing. And send it to Marquise's lieutenant, he says. Still doesn't consider it a serial crime. Or maybe he just doesn't like the FBI, she returns further. And is trying to keep you from taking over his case. Criminal cases aren't property. Nobody owns them. She picked up the collar in her fishing boat. Whatever you say, she was walking. I saw the file. And the photos. Stopped in her tracks. Spine stepping. Just didn't turn around. Moved to her side. Turn and look down at her pale stamp. You told me this guy was from, was from an automobile accident. She wanted me to say, That's my, my grandfather. That's what my grandmother taught me to say. So I thought she was being evasive and old-fashioned. Then when I was 16, one of the new boys in my high school asked me out on a date. Told him just a little of what happened to me. She didn't look at him as she drew the memory out of the past. We went to a fast food place and noticed that he was looking at me in a really strange way. I asked why. He wanted to know exactly what the man who abducted me did to me, how it felt, and if I enjoyed it. His ginger all breath was out. That's right, she said when she saw his face. All the war people weren't in jail or seeing psychologists. I got sick. I wouldn't even let him take me home. I phoned Barbara. She sent Rick to pick me up. It was all for laying my date out on the floor. But I thought it wouldn't look good on his record. So that was why Marquise was so protective of her day in history. It bothered him. After that, she said, no, I stopped going out at all, unless you call helping Barbara and Rick can vegetables every summer after harvest. A social life. What do you want to know about it? She asked Bobby. Anything you remember? He said, burdening his face. I don't like remembering. She said with quiet honesty. But now she said, I still have nightmares. Recall the ones she had at his house. Made him feel even more guilty now that he knew the truth. The truth. Gosh, said, Chad told him that your abductor had you for three days and that you never talked about it. He's right. I've never told her so. Not even Chad Blake.
right after it happened. Her face goes up tight. If you're hoping to have me identify a subject in a lineup or a mugshot, you're out of luck. You can be blindfolded the whole time. And you dog to you. She swallowed. Nice your rose in her throat. Yes? You sound as if the word show. You gonna remember his voice? He's gonna roll her lip. He said I looked like his stepmother. He had a picture of her as a child. What? He said he wet the bed and she made him wear dresses and a red ribbon in his hair. He said she sent him to school like that when he started. And the teacher sent him home again. Everybody laughed. He tied my hair up with a ribbon. But later, just after he tried to strangle me, and he couldn't, he tied it around my neck. She swallowed down nausea. It's hard to remember this. The ribbon wasn't long enough. He had white hands, very white, and he couldn't pull the ribbon tight enough to kill me. He said it was her fault his hands didn't work right. He was furious. He pulled out his pocket knife and stabbed me over and over. That's all right. He said his voice quiet. Richard, don't force it. She was shaking. She had to fight for control over him. Karen watched her, concerned he didn't touch her. He knew that if he did, she'd connect with what was done to her. He let her fight her demons. He pulled out his blackberry and his stylus and started keying in notes. Suddenly remembered how she'd almost collapsed at the police station in Paul Vero when the chief there had mentioned Red Ribbon. The child in Paul Vero was struggling with Red Ribbon, he remembered. Yes, she said every minute. That was when I started to suspect that it was the same man. When the police chief said he used the Red Ribbon, she looked at him. Her face fell. I never read anything about red ribbons in the other child murders. We always ordered in something back, he reminded her, to make sure we forgot the killer and not some lunatic looking for dark fame. He said he mentioned his stepmother. Was that all? Yes, she replied, looking up. He was using a computer, though, and his fingers on the keyboard. He used it a lot. That made that might be helpful. He noted it with the stylus. The men still use computers and might be a way to track him. If he was a pedophile, he must have access to the pornographic websites. The FBI had saber detectives who tracked down children's photographs and locked them up. He said that he loved little children. She said the words as if there was some huge cosmic joke. Three dead children in three years. He seemed to. Maybe as many as eleven. One a year since you were abducted. But you lived. Why did you live? Her slender shoulders were fell. The police came sooner than he expected. He taped my wrists and my ankles together with duct tape. Then he carried me out to a field somewhere and tried to choke me, but he couldn't do it with his hands. He couldn't do it with a ribbon either. He had thin fingers, white fingers. They were limp and cold, so he wrapped duct tape around my mouth and nose. Then he opened his pocket knife and started stabbing me. It hurt so much. Blood went everywhere. I tried to scream, but all I could do was mumble. Started kicking at him. That spooked him and he stopped. But I knew he'd finish me off if I kept struggling. So I kept very still, held my breath and played dead. Sirens came closer. He hesitated for just a minute, as if he wanted to make sure I was gone. There wasn't time. He took off running. With the duct tape over my nose and mouth, the police hadn't spotted me when they did. I wouldn't have been able to tell them anything. I'll never forget how good it felt. They took the duct tape off when I could get air into my lungs at last. But it really hurt when the knife wounds punctured my lung.
He was listening to force himself to concentrate on the details on the terror grace muscle fell. Dog tape. You're gonna strangle you, so he tried smothering you. He hadn't killed before. He said, didn't realize how hard it is to strangle someone with bare hands. That's what I thought when my grandmother talked Chuck Blake into suppressing the story so the newspaper wouldn't get a hold of it. Well, they did get a hold of it. But they printed that a mental patient hurt me, not seriously. Then I had amnesia and couldn't remember a thing. So my doctor said I'd regain my memory. The killer read the paper at all. He knew that I wasn't a threat. But I was afraid he'd do it again. It's a mother child. Couldn't make my grandmother understand that. She refused to ever let me talk about it again. I've lived with that all these years. They pursued him, maybe all those other little children would still be alive, too. I took a task force over 20 years to catch the Green River Killer in Washington State. They had clues and at least one living witness, too. Didn't help them catch him. Ted Bundy killed college girls for years, and they couldn't catch him either. Even if you told the police everything you knew, chances are your tiger would still be killing. Serial killers, especially organized ones, are intelligent and cagey. They're hard to find, even with all our modern tools. Maybe so. You should come home. Home. She remembered all over again how he'd embarrassed her there. She said, My cousin Bob has offered me his guest room for as long as I want to stay with him. When my grandmother's will is through probate, I can put the house on the market. He hadn't counted on that response. He felt terrible. You have friends there who would miss you. Victoria isn't that far to drive. They can come up here and visit. Let me put it another way. He persisted so No killer forgets his first victim. He knows who you are, and he can find out where you are. For some reason, your name is connected with the killer, and he starts worrying that your memory might have come back. He might decide to start stack the odds in his favor. We found DNA on his last victim, but we didn't publicize that. For all he knows, you're the only living human being. You might be able to identify him. He might decide to come full circle. He might come after and kill me, you mean? She said very calmly. He's jaunt on it. Yes. Her lips curled down. There's an optimistic thought. Stop that. Life has its benefits. You might marry yet. Her gray eyes met his dark ones. What would be the point, yes? I can't have a child. And he felt as if she hit him in the stomach. Plenty of marriages succeed without children. She left calmly. Really? You're attracted to me at first, she recalled. You liked being with me and taking me places, and when you knew I couldn't bear children, all of a sudden I became a one-night stand with disposability potential. He was shocked at a perception of white, broken and awful. That's not true, he found out. Sure it is. Sure it isn't. She turned and picked up the ice chest again. She felt sick at her stomach and weak as a kitten. Must be the lost hours of sleep running her health. If you're through asking questions, could you leave? She asked I have a busy day ahead of me. Cousin Bob wants me to brush his cat. The sarcasm brought a twinkle in his eyes. They tried not to let her see. At least, think about what I've said. He strained his mind for inspiration. Your roses are starting to butt out. They'll be eaten alive by bugs if, you're, if they're not sprayed. And without fertilizer, you may not have one decent stem. She glared at him. I can transplant them up here. They won't like it here. 
How would you know she hasn't told her? Do you talk to roses? Dark eyes twinkled. Not one I think anybody might overhear me. I work for the FBI. Talking to roses might get me transferred to the Antarctica. The FBI doesn't have an office there, she returned. You know. They have offices all over the world. You cracked. They might decide to open me in a faraway cold place. They catch me talking to my bush. <laughs> she dropped a spot of bread mud on her scruffler. Actually, scientific studies have been done on plants using audio pulses, such as classical and rock music. They actually react favorably. They do feel sensations. It's not even surprising when you consider the structure of a single leaf. She had absolutely scrubbing on red plant. There are guard cells that protect the leaf from evasion by parasites. His eyebrows. Thought your education ended at high school. Remarked. Surprised by her knowledge of botany. She gave him a cool look. I thought you knew better than to take anyone at face value. His eyes now. Come on. No. Give me one good reason why you won't. Because you live next door to me. She sat with pure venom. I have a fence put up so you can't see me. He promised. And voluntary laughed, tried to get out of her throat. She smothered. Your, co your cousin is old and infirm, isn't he? Oh, yes, you play. So what if this animal comes looking for you up here? She's doing a small quick break. I don't know. I have a big gun. He pointed out, pulling back his jacket to play. If he comes looking for you at home, I'll shoot him with it. She wanted to go home, but she had cold feet. She couldn't bear to look at him because it hurt too much. She's gone head first into dreams of a shared future, and he encouraged her only to shove her right out of his life and in the cruelest way possible. People would pity her all over again. She'd have to work at convincing the town that his lack of interest didn't belong to her. She'd have to see him with that Jackie woman. You'd almost see the pain, <laughs> the apprehension on her face. He remembered it too. <laughs> too well the amount of damage he'd done to her. He knew he couldn't make up for all of once, but he could protect her, and he would. It was a naive to believe that the killer wouldn't be curious about the child who lived, especially since apparently he killed children all around Texas in the past three years. Karen felt that Grace was in danger. She knew she was walking a thin line. Enough people in Jacobsville knew something about her ordeal in the past. Nobody knew who the killer was. He could walk into town and order coffee at Barbara's Cafe and just listen to people around him. Evidently, he could blend right in. She called his voice. It was faintly cultured, and he sounded to her like an educated man. Not some backwater, backwoods idiot. His hand hadn't been those of a laborer either. They'd been scored. He kept them covered with thin leather gloves most of the time he had her in his power. His hands, she remember that. They were scored. He put that down on his PDA. You may not realize it, but even these small details you remember might be enough to help us catch him. You're the only witness, Grace. You might save lives. She nodded something. I suppose so. Miss Turner has missed you. Has she? I'm sure she'll enjoy having you back. I guess so. If Rose buzzes, have feelings. Yours are probably grieving already. Yet it's home. Imagine they're brokenhearted. They'll cry. Some passerby will heal them and check himself into the hospital for a cat scan. This time the left did escape, even though she stifled it immediately. He's mine. I'll even loan you a truck and a man to drive it so you can get fertilizer and pesticides to use on your roses. Barbara has a truck, she said it wouldn't he offer. Which Marquise would be happy to drive for Grace on his day off Garen realized with a twinge of something unfamiliar. Whoa, he persisted. She finished rubbing the spot. It was still there, it probably wouldn't come out anyway. Red mud was usually permanent. She lands on If you'll promise to give me a schedule of your daily routine so I won't risk appearing at the same place you do, I'll come home. Cut it out, he murmured. I'm convinced that it was a coincidence. I overreacted. 
Gee, was that an apology? She asked with much. I don't make apologies unless the director phones me personally and orders me to. I figured that out for myself. When? She found. When what? When are you coming back? She never were early. Tomorrow, I guess. Good. I'll stop by your house and tell the roses on my way home. Nice of you, she said. I have lots of good qualities, he assured her. You keep them well hidden, of course, she returned with a mocking smile. No use wasting them on women who enjoy putting out a contract on me, he told her. Unfortunately, I can't afford a hitman on my salary, she said. Why don't you go to college and get a degree? You can earn more. Why don't you go home and stop trying to run my life, she asked him. I don't need a career counseling. You have a car that is ancient about to happen, an accident about to happen. You dress out of thrift stores, he muttered. She flushed. How do you know where I get my clothes? This tea's good. She shouldn't have said that. Spill it, she demanded Hansel and him. You wore that damn blue wool dress everywhere. Otherwise, you wear the same pair of jeans and assorted sweatshirts. Doesn't take rocket science to figure it out. I can't see why it should bother you how I dress, she said sweetly. You can rest assured that you won't ever have to see in public with me again. That's comforting. I'm sure your friend Jackie can afford to shop at Saks or Nia Marcus. No cut-rate wardrobe for her. He bit back all replenishing. He done enough damage to recovery. She doesn't have her assets. He meant. She likes having men around her. She gave him a cold smile. Lucky girl, not to have my history. His high cheek pulse will really call. You know, I'll see you. Not if I see you first, replied Tristan. And that's a promise. She went back into the house to put away her fish. The pack, after his car had roared off down the driveway, she was probably nuts to let him talk her into it. But he was right about her cousin being in the line of fire. The killer did come after her. She didn't want any innocent people getting hurt. And she did have knowledge that might help put the perpetrator behind bars. The house was empty and cold. She left a pile of light on the furnace, though, so she had heat. She needed it, too. The weather had turned cold unexpectedly. She went through the house, making sure everything was where it should be. Then she went out to into the backyard to check the rosebushes Garen had been so concerned about. There were young buds among the leaves on the rosebushes. There were new leaves on the trees, too, and so many shades of green that she couldn't count them. The sun was shining down through them, and there was a crisp invigorated breeze impulsively she lifted her arms and danced around in a circle laughing at the pleasure it gave her to be back on her own property again her own property she never owned anything except the clothes on her back now at least she had a place to live and all she had to do was manage to the income that would take care of the utilities and an occasional new dress but there was no time there was plenty of time Karen walked over to see her and made sure that the house was secure. He heard laughter from the backyard and turned the corner. There, she, there was Grace, her long blonde hair down around her shoulders, almost her waist and back. She spinning around like a happy child, dancing in the wind with her eyes closed and her face lifted to the sun. Something hit, hit him right in the chest as he stared at her. She was lovely. She was sweet and kind and loving. She'd been his for two heady days with... When pleasure took on a real magic, like nothing he'd known before, but he wounded Grace, he turned away like a used cup, devoured her, demeaned her. She would never open her arms to him again and hold him in the darkness. She would never trust him again. It was one of the most painful real revelations he could remember, until this very minute when he looked at her unaware and knew how blessed he'd been to have her in his life. He'd known what he felt for her. It was bad timing. Damned bad timing. Instead of making his presence known, he turned and went back the way he come. 
He knew that if she'd seen him, all the joy would drain out of her, like water through a sieve. He couldn't bear to see that. She'd been through so much in her young life. He was sorry he made things hard for her. Perhaps if he'd worked at it, he could earn her forgiveness. It was better than nothing. Grace went back to work the very next day, first at the floors and then at the cafe. People seemed generally delighted to have her home. They also mentioned what a rough time Garen had been treated to after her departure. He had to do his shopping at San Antonio because local doors were shut to him after a stream of grace. She couldn't say he hadn't deserved it, but she felt sorry for him. He wasn't a man who made friends easily or seemed to fit in anywhere. Maybe he really had felt guilty enough to coax her back home, or she mused maybe he just wanted to be able to buy his cattle feed in Jacobsville instead of having to drive half an hour to get it somewhere else. She felt full of energy when she got home, but at the day passed, she began to feel an acceleration of the uncomfortable nausea and weakness that had been a hallmark of her life since she left Jacobsville. Surely it was just a virus, she told herself. She she was never ill. She only carried a small insurance. Even if she was, where would she get the money for a doctor? She only carried a small insurance policy, which covered major medical, but no routine office visits or prescription drugs. Drugs? No, she just have to wear it out. These things usually went away in a short time. She'd get better, but she didn't. Late one afternoon, when she was putting mulch around her roses, the world started spinning. She felt nauseous right up in her throat, just as a strange weakness overcame her. With a sharp little cry, she fell to the ground. Her last sight was of the sky, going from blue to black. End of chapter 12.